Good morning or afternoon. Have we crossed 12 o'clock yet? Um, yes, we have. Um, my brain is jet lagged right now. I have no idea what time it is and how long I have either. How long do I have? 33 minutes. Okay, I'm Nigerian. Let's make that 63 minutes. Right. <laughs> So good, good to see you guys this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ben Enejo. I am Nigerian, I am British. I spent half of my life in Nigeria and then on the other half here in the UK before moving to um, the States in, um, in Boston um, about eight months ago, so in August last year. Uh, I see so many new faces, so you might not know me, and um, I just wanted to quickly introduce myself. And I think there's some people online as well. Um, so hi to you guys all. And um, a few of my friends are joining us live from Boston, so just say, hey, love you guys. And, um, and um, it's been um, a journey moving country. Now, I think most of you here would have moved house, and you know the stress involved in moving house, right? It's times two that amount, moving country. And moving to um, an English-speaking country where we thought maybe it might be easier, actually, there's still quite a lot to learn, culturally very different. We're still learning English again, because it's different English over there. It's been many ups and downs. Yeah, this American English. Um, there's been many ups and downs, um, but we are doing well. We are doing well. Okay, so thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who have been praying for us, been thinking about us, been sending us prophetic words that mean so much to us as we, as you could imagine, the first few weeks, months, is very, it's a very lonely place to be. And so we appreciate those of you that have been supporting us to show that I'm not the only one who survived this adventure from Boston. This is a photo of us from Planet Jakku last week. And um, many of you will be pleased to know as well that we have a new addition to the family. Not the wonderful addition we mentioned earlier on today, but uh, we have um, um, Scott Nala, who is um, on the screen right now. She's um, a miniature poodle and um, a joy to the family at um, a very difficult time for us. In fact, many of you here would know that um, I'm a big, big um, fan of not getting pet insurance. I think I spoke on this stage many years ago that um, I don't understand how people, why people get pet insurance. We're spoiling our pets too much here in the West. Um, Nala has pet insurance. <laughs> and um, I was walking through the town center yesterday and I popped into B&M to buy things because you won't believe this. I know things are expensive here, but compared to Boston, things are a lot more expensive. And so I popped into B&M to buy a few things. I came out buying toys for Nala. <laughs> so I don't know what's happening to me. If it's an age-related thing, I know I'm at risk of having my Nigerian passport taken away from me, right? But um, pray for me in this, right? So um, it's, been, it's been ups and downs. We, we miss many things we used to take for granted, which we no longer have access to. We miss um, a few um, things like baked beans, Heinz baked beans. <laughs> Right, not Tesco value baked beans, Heinz baked beans. We, we, we miss those a lot. We miss hobnobs. <laughs> Weetabix. And one that you either love or hate. The tea bags, yes, we do miss the tea bags, although you can, you can get them there. They just, the Americans just don't do it quite. My Boston friends, can you just cover your ears for a second? You guys don't do a cup of tea like we, that the Brits do, right? 
um, um, we miss um, uh, big good onions. Some love it, some don't. And um, the one that gets to me the most, the one I've really missed, is fish and chips. <laughs> fish and chips like the one on Queen's Drive in Portno. Anyone know, anyone know what I'm talking about? That, thank you, guys. That is second to none. If you ask for fish and chips in the state, you get fish and crisps. Right, which we had to learn um, the difficult way. So um, we, we, we have missed you all. We have missed the things we, we, we have come to know and to love and to like. But um, we believe God is doing something amazing in Boston, and that's part of the reasons why we're there. Right? We, um, we gradually begin to see and understand what God is doing in the, in the great city of Boston. Boston is one of the states where Christians first landed in, um, in, in America and where churches were first started in America. Right? It's a city that is known today for science, technology, education, but it's also a city that has turned its back on Jesus. And I believe God is calling the city back to himself. Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right, excellent. It's a city, I mean, um, the, it was the Puritans that went to, um, that moved to Boston that actually started Harvard University, which we all know and hear about today. It was actually started off to be a college for um, Christian, to train up Christian ministers, right? It, it, Boston was one of the cities where that was the center, one of the centers of the, um, of the, uh, having a baby, um, memory blank here, of the Great Awakening in the 18th century. And in 1857, Boston actually had its own revival where God was just moving in great ways. Many people listened to God, filled with the Holy Spirit, became Christians. So many churches were started. So many churches grew off the back of that revival. And there was um, not just in the church, but um, an overflow of the a revival that led to involvement in social reform activities like the abolition movement. Right, Boston had a part to play in that, right? It's a city that um, unfortunately right now is one of the, it's in the state that's one of the least church states in America. And I believe God is calling it back to himself. As it comes to the 200 year anniversary of that revival, I believe God is calling that city back to himself. So as you pray for us as a family, pray for the city and what God is doing there. Is that okay? Yeah, um, anyway, we're not here to talk about the Energers or Boston. We're here to talk about Jonah. Have you guys enjoyed the series so far? I thought Phil did a great job a couple of weeks ago, and um, Nikki also did a great job last week. If you haven't listened to it, tune back into that. And I, I believe most of us here know the story of Jonah. But if you don't, in one breath, let me try to explain it to you, right? You know, the story of Jonah is that of a prophet someone who hears from God, who tries to run away from what God asked him to do. He ends up in the sea in a, um, and gets cast into the water in the sea, ends up in a fish's belly for three days, prays, cries out to God, and then miraculously, this big fish, as we know it, goes and vomits Don, um, Jonah down, and he goes on to help save the city of Nineveh. That is the story of Jonah. I hope is you agree with um, 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 what was said last week. This is not a, a secondary, uh, sorry, um, a Sunday school talk. This is one that applies to each and every one of us. 
And that's what we're going to be diving into today. But before we do so, I heard the story of a little girl who, um, after hearing the story of Jonah at Sunday school, repeated the story at, um, at school on the Monday. A teacher who was listening and said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though um, it was a large mammal, its gullet, its throat, was not, is quite small and it was physically impossible for it to swallow a human being. The little girl said to the teacher, but, but how can that be? Jonah was swallowed by a whale. That was what we've heard. That's what it's been taught. That's what it says in the Bible. The teacher got irritated and the teacher said, you know, it is physically impossible um, for a, a whale to swallow a human being. Undoubted, this girl, um, this little girl looked at the teacher and said, well, when I get to heaven, I will ask Jonah. <laughs> the teacher said, what if Jonah went to hell? The girl replied, then you ask him. And talking about running away from God, as Jonah did, there was a story of a young boy who was um, running away from home, and he ran by a man who was standing um, on a pavement. Five minutes later, the boy rushed by again. A few minutes later, the boy rushed around, ran, ran past this man, and, and after about six times of running past this guy, the man, um, the man stopped him and said, uh, you know, what's, what's the idea, my boy? What's the rush? The boy looked at him indignantly and shouted, I'm running away from home. Oh, said the man. But you have gone around the same block at least six times, right? And the boy said, I know it. He shouted back over his shoulder. And as he started running away, he said, my mom won't let me cross the street. <laughs> anyway, let's get serious, guys. Meaning and purpose in life comes from knowing God, from knowing his love, staying in his love, and out of this great position, doing the great work he's called us to do. Purpose and meaning in life comes when we are connected to our good, good father, and when we remain in his love. It's so crucial for each and every one of us in this room today to know why and to understand the, the importance of being in God's love. You know, the Bible says, uh, Jesus talked about this a lot in John 15. He says we get to bear much fruit if we stay in his love. We get to make a difference to those around us when we stay in his love. You know, we get to, when we remain in his love, we get to know the joy of God. Not that's manufactured by man, but the joy of God. And we get to have it in its fullness if we remain in Jesus, Jesus' love. And here's one my family debated a little bit in the last week. If we get to remain in God's love, here's what Jesus says. He says, you can ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We're like, whoa, Anything. If we remain in his love. And the kids were like, does that include going back to Disney? I was like, maybe not quite. <laughs> what we're trying to say. But I hope you get the gist that if we remain, and how do we remain in his love? How do we stay in, abide in God's love? Jesus says that we, if we get to listen to him and to obey him, 
we remain in his love. To listen, obey. Listen, obey. Here's what it says in John 15. It says, as, my, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command, and I remain in his love. To remain, to abide, to reside in his love comes by doing what he tells us to do. That's what Jesus said. It's the evidence. The evidence of our friendship with Jesus is marked by our obedience to what he is telling us, to what he says. He says in John chapter 10, where he's referring to himself as the good shepherd, he said, he said my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They know me. They hear my voice. They don't follow a stranger's voice. They follow me. That's how we get to re remain in God's love. Sadly, when we choose not to remain in God's love, we often get ourselves into a bit of a pickle. As we saw in the case of Jonah, Jesus says that those who walk in the daytime do not stumble because they have light. They can see where they're going. But anyone who chooses to walk in the night will stumble because they don't have the light in him to see, to guard their path. And that's what the Bible says as well, that um, in Psalm 119 verse 105, that the word of God to us is like a light to our, our feet. It's like a, a light to guide our path. Hear God, obey God, you remain in his love. That's what Jesus says. Let's go back to Jonah for a second. We know from the Bible that, you know, um, Jonah was someone that was running away from the voice of God. Right, right at the start of the book of Jonah, right at the start of that story, the Bible says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Right, this is about the word, the voice and the word of the Lord coming to Jonah. And he ran as far away from the word of God. He refused to obey the word of God. He refused to, to follow what God was asking him to do and what was on God's agenda for him. And if I'm to be honest, I think the question I've been asking myself in preparing this talk and preparing to see these wonderful faces is, has my heart become so hard? impenetrable to the word of God and what God is speaking to me or is my heart still absorbing and I follow him and that's a question for each and every one of us Daniel I mean David says to God he says God search my heart and know my heart if my heart is wrong heal my heart and make me right with you I hope that's our prayer of saying God I so want you and I want to follow you and I want to go the way you ask, you want me to go. Because when I do that, I remain in your love. That's what Jesus says. So we know the gist of the story. Jonah runs away from God. He gets into a boat. He tries to run away as far as possible. God asked him to go one way. He went in the opposite direction as far, far, far away as he could go. And while he, he boarded his ship and like... Um, and um, got onto the sea, the storms arrive, the, you know, fear and panic, everyone thought they were, everyone on board thought they were going to die. And, um, you know, Jonah was asleep, he's woken up, he's, everyone's praying to any God for rescue because they were throwing things away, trying to, trying to survive. But Jonah's heart was too hard, he refuses to turn to God. Jonah's heart was, was too impenetrable to what God was asking him to do. And he presses the self-destruct button. He says, cast me, throw me into the sea. And that was what happened. He was thrown into the sea and he checked into the world's um, first submarine 
and calls shotgun. And after spending three days and three nights in this giant fish's belly, Jonah was left pretty salty. Literally and figuratively. And we know that he then turns to God in prayer. We have a clear revelation of that because we know there's a whole chapter dedicated to Jonah's prayer. Sometimes God knows that we won't look up to him until we are deep, deep down in the depths of despair. Sometimes, like Jonah, we get to a place where there's no way out, then we shout out to God. And I wonder how many of us, or those listening online, how many of us are in that situation right now? I can tell you, there is hope. Amen? There is hope. What we know is the detail from Jonah chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles and you want to turn to that, that's fine. Please go for it right now. If you've got an app, feel free to tune into that right now. If you want to follow what's on screen, that's fine as well. I'm just going to read this out. I'm a big fan of having a copy of, um, of the Bible in front of me. So I'll just give you a few seconds for those who are like me to find this. So this is Jonah chapter 2, and I'll read the whole chapter. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I hope that's how you pronounce that, I cried, and you heard my voice. You heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood, and the flood surrounded me. All the waves and the billows passed over me. I'll just pause there for a second. I find it quite funny that Jonah blames God for this, even though he was the one that asked to be thrown into the sea. Right from verse 4, he says, he say, he says um, I was driven away from your sight, talking about God, yet I will look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you, O oh God, brought up my life from the pit. When my life was fading away, fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their steadfast, sorry, forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. This is the key phrase to remember today. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and vomited Jonah and he checked out of his Airbnb onto his dry land. Here's a question for you guys. Does God let bad things happen to us to enable us to turn to him? Or does he take advantage of the despair in our lives and the mistakes and the mess we create to turn to him? Like Jonah, we can get to a place of blaming God and everyone else very quickly. He says, God, you cast me. You cast me into the sea. The previous chapter, he was saying, cast, he was saying that to himself. You know, but somehow, you know, it's so easy to blame God and everyone else for moments like this in our lives. 
I think the more important question for us to ask ourselves, for each and every one of us to ask ourselves is, what is God's reaction when we call to him? What does God do anytime we call to him? Jonah, Jonah tells himself this while he's in the fish's belly. He says, salvation comes from the Lord. It belongs to God. God brings us back to him every time, each and every one of us call to him. He, he brings us back. He, he saves us. That's what our God does. That's who he is. I remember the story of my life. Um, in the first third of my life, I was growing up in Nigeria. I was um, uh, raised in a Christian home. My, uh, my parents were Methodists. My dad was a local Methodist minister. Uh, we all had to learn the Bible. In fact, I, I, I think I heard half of the Bible while I was still in my mom's womb. Right, you know, I came out with so many Bible verses, you won't believe it, right? You know, I knew the right things. I, I talked the right talk. I went to church. I, I prayed with people. I did everything. I, was, I walked the walk. But deep down inside of me, I just felt hollow. Deep down inside of me, I just knew I didn't have something with Jesus. My head, and I knew all the things to write and say, but deep down, he wasn't personal to me. And on my 15th birthday, I, um, after all the celebrations, I went into my room, closed the door, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I just knelt down and I prayed to Jesus. And I was like, I am done. I am done acting the act. I am done. I just want you, Jesus. I want you in my life. I want, you know, I was so bound with fear. I always had this fear that if I died, I would never spend eternity with Jesus. I was, my destination was not heavy, heaven. And I was like, Jesus, I am sorry for my sins. I, I want you. I choose to believe you. I repent and I give my life to you. I was kneeling down there. It wasn't anyone else trying to lead me to Christ. I just prayed this prayer to God. And oh, I, I wish I could describe there was what happened in the room. There was, an, there was a sense of peace and joy in the room. It was so tangible. You know, it reminds me of the Bible verse that says there is so much joy in heaven over one sinner, over each and every one of us that chooses to follow Jesus. There is joy. There's a party going on in heaven to celebrate you. I believe in my room that day was, there was an overflow of that joy and there was a sense of peace and joy in that room. And there was no looking back. I remember that day so well. And, um, and that reassurance that I was his is mine, heaven is for real, and I'm going to heaven, and God loves me, you know, I, I was in a great position, my life after that was not the same, I found Jesus, or he found me, depending on the theological background, right, you know, but after three years, uh, we moved to the UK, and six years after that, I was in Nottingham um, for my university, and I remember this period of time, three years at university, where I went from this guy who loves Jesus, who knows Jesus, who follows Jesus, and through the three years, turned to this guy who did not know Jesus, who did not follow Jesus, who led a different lifestyle. Over the three-year period, for a number of reasons, I got into relationships I shouldn't have got into. I've got into friendships I shouldn't have got into. I got into a lifestyle that did not look anything like Jesus. And... I remember after three years coming back here in Bedford, actually, and, um, and um, I was trying really hard to avoid the likes of Dave Devnish. 
and Duncan Lee and some of the senior and the leaders, the church leaders I knew before I went to university, I was in a mess and I was broken and I was lost and I was covered in shame and I was running away. And so I managed to sneak into a church in, in, in Luton called Hope Church and I went there on a Sunday morning and I was thinking to myself while I was in the room, just like we are today, saying, God, I don't deserve you. I am not worthy of you. I knew so much. I experienced so much, yet I threw it all away. I should not even be anywhere near your presence. You are good, you're perfect, you're holy, and here I am, I'm a mess, and a mess, and a mess. Surely you don't want anything to do with me. But deep down, I just know. In my head, I knew of God's unrelenting love. I knew the Bible verses to throw at this, but in my heart, I was just like, I have gone too far. I have gone too far away from the love of God. And so I was invited to the Alpha course. I went to the Alpha course to find questions, um, to, to answers to my questions. I, I was... Um, I went to Alpha course for a few times, actually. The first time was to get the answers to my questions. The second time was just because, second and third time was just because the food was so good. <laughs> Don't judge me. I was the young single man who could not cook, right? You know, and once a week, that meal was, mm, I still think about it, you know. <laughs> but here's what I learned through the process. Here's what stood out for me. Our God, truly, is a God who saves when we call on him again and again and again and again and doesn't get tired when we cry on him cry to him again and again and again he comes to rescue he comes to save there has been no looking back since that moment there has been no looking back. I am truly his. I am giving my life to fully follow him. You know, I have given my life to Jesus forever. To love him uh, above everything else. To love others like myself, like he says, you know. For me and my household, we shall serve and we shall follow God. Wherever we are. That's my heart desire. That's my commitment to God. There's no looking back. But here's what something else that I've learned. That even in the past few decades of having pledged my life to following Jesus, I still have the capability of spending times in my life avoiding to serve God and to do what he wants. I still have very much, there's this strange contradiction that happens in my life where, my, you know, as a Christian, I still am loving Jesus, but I still have the potential to turn away from what he desires for my life and what he says to me. While trusting him, I still sometimes battle with fear and anxiety, or sometimes I want to have it my own way. It's about Ben. It's the Ben show. I'm guessing from the reactions in this room that I am not the only one who experiences this. <laughs> and so we find ourselves often on this continuum where on the one hand we don't know God, and on the other hand we know him and we're fully his and fully committed to his way. And we kind of yo-yo in between as we go through our journey. I'm going to need a few volunteers to help me describe what I'm trying to say. Um, I'm going to need four of us, to, four volunteers, whoever is brave enough, to come. If you're good with the game of charades, two words. First, oh, wow, excellent. Thank you, my friend. I need four, right? So this is one. With that. 
So thank you, Owen. Woo. One, two, three. We have room for one more. Oh, wow. You guys are amazing. Thank you for choosing to commit to what you have no idea is about to hit you. <laughs> but don't worry. We, we are in church, right? So you're safe, right? You're good. Thank you. I'm going to act as God for a second, okay? I know that's hard to understand. That's hard to imagine. But you're going to play mere human beings and you do what I ask you to do, okay? Yes? All right. I'll say a few words. And whatever way you feel like acting it out, feel free to go for it. All right? So, I'm going to call you volunteer one, volunteer two, volunteer three, and volunteer four. All right? So, um, volunteer one is someone who doesn't follow Jesus, who doesn't know Jesus. Right? So, um, I'm going to need you to wear this mask. So I am also going to need you to wear this headset, which we're going to give a wipe with, um, with, um, oh, okay, I was going to give it a wipe, but, right. So your role is to play someone that cannot see me. Can you see me? All right. Your role is to play someone that can't hear me either. I know now I know you can hear me, but just pretend you can't hear me. All right. All right. Can you hear me? Oh, excellent. He's, he's straight in character already. All right. Okay. You're, um, I w we would describe you as someone who is a non-follower of Jesus. Your task is to move away from me, to do your own thing. I'm giving you a hard mission here. Maybe sometimes to feel like you're lost. And I, I don't need those headset back, by the way. <laughs> right? And somehow you feel like you can't see me, you can't hear me. You need me in your life, you want me in your life, but you do your own thing. Ladies and gentlemen, I, brothers and sisters, I am so proud of this guy. Well done, you know, he's done a great job. Thank you. You can keep the mask, but I'll have the headset back, that's okay. Thank you. All right. So, can you be my um, volunteer too? All right. Do you want a sterilizing wipe to put this? Oh, yeah. You're good? Okay. Just aware of COVID and all. You don't get the fancy eye mask, I'm afraid, right? Okay, I'm sorry. You just get to get the, wear the headset. All right, you, my friend, you're a follower of Jesus. You can put the headset on. You can see me. Can you see me? You, you know what I look like. Yes, excellent. You can, but you can't hear me. Excellent. Because you can't hear me, you can't do what I tell you to do. We're both on, in tune, right? Well done. Thank you so much. You're doing a great job. Keep going, keep going, keep going. You do not embrace what I'm saying to you. Yes, you're a Christian, but you cannot know the fullness of what I have for you. You narrow your understanding of me to what is comfortable for you. 
you do not enlarge your knowledge of me. You do not seek what I want to teach you. I am impressed. You cannot bear fruit. You cannot bear much fruit. You don't let my words speak to you. You run a big risk of moving away from my love for you. Wow. You have, you're amazing. Let's just give him a hand of applause. You've done a great job. Thank you so, so much. I'm going to call you. Oh, yeah, thank you. You can put that back. Um, you can go back now. Thank you. You, my friend, you're going to be volunteer number three, if that's okay. Um, you do not get the headset or the iPad, I'm afraid, but um, you, you, you're in a great position, right? You're in a great position because you can see me, yes? You can fully hear me. You know exactly what I want you to do. Excellent. I, um, let's give me a fist pump there. Excellent. You're in a great position. You can see me. You can hear me. You are exactly how I ought for you to be, exactly where I desire for, for you to be, exactly how I fashion for you to be, right? You, can, you, you know exactly what I'm, look, uh, what I'm looking for. But we have a problem. You can see me. You can hear me. But you won't obey me. You do not embrace what I said to you, but rather you run away from what I said to you. So can you do the running away while still looking at me and hearing me and all right, okay. When you listen to me, you rather do your own thing. You won't do the things that are on my heart. Maybe we should change your name to Jonah. Is that okay? Your heart has become so hard. My words do not penetrate your heart. How do you describe that? I don't know how you, um, you act that out. But um, Wow. Maybe your heart has become tired and weary. And my words not, not, do not have an impact in your life anymore. You cannot bear much fruit either. You cannot know the fullness of my joy. You cannot know the depths of the immense plans I have for you. Because you won't obey me. You have done an amazing job. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Ah, you'll be number four. Volunteer number four, uh, I'd call you that, um, but um, you are exactly where I desire of you, right? You can see me? Yes, you can hear me? You can feel me? Yeah, let's give it. You obey my voice? Can I have $500 in my account? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I'll text you my bank details later on. My words are like light to you, right? You know, you, 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 you listen out for my word. You, you're interested in my word. You're not narrowing my words down to a 21st century understanding of God. You want, you hunger, you hunger for me to reveal who I am to you. 
Can you act a bit hungry? Yeah, very good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, my friend, you, my deep, deep, deep friend, right? Whatever you ask, whatever you want, I am committed to giving it to you. You can ask for whatever you want. Well, mm, <laughs> we're even, right? We're even, so, yeah. <laughs> you can go back to your seat over You've done a great job. Thank you. Right. <laughs> I don't know if, you can, if you're here this morning or listening online and you can relate to the first three characters, but here's what I know. Each one of us faces a pull away from number four because of our human nature. Sometimes pull away from his words, from his ways, from what he's asking us to do. But we know from Jonah that if we cry out to God, he hears our voice. He answers our cry. He brings us, like he said, from the pit, from the mess we get ourselves into. Our God is a good, good God. He is not a God that will just demand of us of things. He says he's working together all things together for good to those who love him. Right? Our God knows and wants what's best for us. He wants us to have life and life in his fullness. That's what Jesus wants. Right? So it's not this God who's just there demanding of things. He's actually a good, good, loving father. But we turn our backs to him. Maybe this morning is a chance for us to actually open up our hearts to God again and say, God, I want to remain in your love. I want to obey you. I want to hear you. I want to follow you. This is what Isaiah says in Isaiah 55. He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon his name while he is near. He says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. Let him turn to our God for he will abundantly, not just a little bit, but abundantly pardon again and again and again. That's who we serve. Seek the Lord while he can be found. Actually, it's translated to seek God now. Not sometime in the future, not sometime tomorrow, but maybe today. Seek him while he can be found. Not when you've cleared up your life and you're not in, you feel like you're in a good place. If you're in a mess as well, you can still seek him. And he is God and he, is sa he saves and he is here right now for you. One of the sayings I love about um, our church in Boston is, um, is that that says that for every service, every Sunday service like this one, which we all participate in, there should be a next step for everybody, for everyone, leader, non-leader, worship leader, or just a new folk to church, there should be a next step for every one of us every Sunday to make us move more and more like Jesus. And I wonder what that step is for you guys this morning. I wonder what that next step is for you. So I'm going to lead us in prayer, if that's okay. And I just ask that if we, if you don't mind, if you can just close your eyes and 
and maybe focus on God for a second here. I would like to pray for all those of us that can relate to the first volunteer. You have not chosen to follow Jesus, you've not given him your life, or you've turned away from him and you need to get back and get right with God. If you're here today and right now, you know that, you know, if you're to die today, you're not going to be with God in eternity. You know you're not following Jesus, you know you're not, he's not your personal savior. I wonder if your next step this morning could be to follow Jesus, to choose to follow Jesus. And if you're one of those this morning, can I just ask and encourage you and give you space right now to give your life to Jesus, to give your heart to Jesus, to choose to believe in him, to commit your life to him, to ask for his forgiveness and to wash away your sins and to become your personal Lord and Savior. I'll just give you a moment to do so. close I just want to know if there's anyone here this morning who has taken that next step to commit your life to Jesus or having been away and wandered away from him to come back to him would you just lift up your hand just so I can um, I can see I can see you with all eyes closed thank you thank you God bless you. I believe we have team members waiting to talk to you and to give you more information after this service. Maybe you're here and you can relate to the volunteer number two. You are a Christian, but you narrow your knowledge and, and the voice of God to your understanding and to your comfort level. Maybe the next step is to truly begin to hear the voice of God again, to hear him daily, to, to dial down your thoughts and to tune into his ways. Why don't you open your heart to God right now and call to God. Tell him your heart is open to him, for him to love on you and to speak to you, to take your journey with him to the next level. Tell him to, you know, call out to him, to seek him, to hear him again, to know him in a new way and not just what you've limited God to. If that's you, I'm just going to give you a moment or so to pray and ask God for that. Amen. And if you're here, maybe you can relate to volunteer number three, you know, um, you're in a great place, but maybe your heart has become hard. It's become impenetrable. It's become weary. It's becoming, maybe God is calling you to love on those who don't um, deserve your mercy. Maybe he's calling on you to love on those who have hurt you. Maybe he's calling on you, asking you to do things which you've just said no to. Sometimes I've hidden away from doing what God wants me to do by saying I'm wearing the prophetic words and just dodging what he's trying to ask me to do. If that's your heart this morning, like the place of Jonah, why don't you ask God to come heal your heart again? To come help you and give you grace for your situation. Seek God while he can be found. Seek him right now. He's here. He's the God who saves.